What's going on, y'all? So today's guest is a worship leader at Discover Life Church in Melbourne, Florida. You can find their music on iTunes if you search DL Worship. And you can also follow his apparel line uh, from deathapparel.com. And also, man, like we just had great conversation. We talked a long time. So I hope you'll enjoy this long episode. And here he is. It's Alex Austin. It's, it's my foundation. It's my faith. It's my work ethic. It's my drive. It's everything that I've tried to build for myself that has made me who I am. How's it going, man? Bro, you got the you got the diffuser going. Oh, dude, yeah. It's uh, it's called pixie dust. It's like a uh, pineapple smell. Okay, that sounds a little shady. Like you're uh, diffusing something <laughs> special in there. <laughs> hey, man, I wish, but no, it's um. So we got it from it's like a candle company that Disney owns. It's called like, yeah. the Magic Candle Company. So we got okay. all these, all these, uh, special, like all these oils that smell like, uh, different kinds of rides or the hotels at Disney world. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they so. got a, they got a stanky old pirate smell for the pirates of the Caribbean. Nah, they have, they do have the, um, the burning smell. You ever been in the big ball at Epcot? Yeah. Yeah. They have like the burning smell that when you go through there. Wow. Yeah. It's awful. It actually made me nauseous. <laughs> yeah it's bad bro people here are obsessed with disney because it's like right it's like an hour away from us because yeah. it's orlando well i was wondering how far you lived away from it so if you go to orlando and you're hanging out at disney world and then you take a one hour straight shot to the beach that's pretty much that's pretty much where we're at oh wow because, yeah, um, I mean, me and my wife, we're trying to, like, I don't think it'll be anytime soon, but, like, maybe in the future, like, move to Florida, and we want to be close to Disney World, but we know yeah. it's, like, expense, expensive around that area. So, yeah, uh, you know, at least a good enough drive where we can go, like, for a date night and just, like, go there and eat, you know what I mean? Just something like that. That's the Space Coast, bro. That's where we are. Just come move here, dude. For real. What made y'all move yeah. there, though? Uh, bro, are we starting? <laughs> yeah, we can if you want. That's fine. Get into uh, it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, bro, it wasn't really planned at all. My dad's from Florida originally. Okay. That's where he grew up. Um, so. But when he married my mom, my mom lived in Maryland. And so they decided they're going to live in Maryland, which is like the worst decision ever. Yeah. <laughs> if you have Florida and Maryland and the choices, I don't know why they decided to go to Maryland. But right. so I lived there my whole life. And then I turned like 18 and I moved to Australia. Mm. That's where I met my wife. And when we got married, my dad's cousin is a pastor here. because So this is where my dad's family still lives. So he knew I was doing a, a year away and he basically told me if I, if I want to work there when I come back at his church, if, if we decide to move to, cause at that point we're like, are we moving to America? Are we going to live in Australia? We don't really know. 
but we had some non-negotiables like god if you want us to be in america there's got to be some sort of opportunity and this came up it was like the only option so we're like okay well that must be what we're supposed to do so we moved to florida and i've been on staff that was so this is discover life church and i just cut that like super short but that's the basic gist of why we moved to florida is because they offered a job so i've been here for six years in mm. november which is like a month away it's crazy wow. can't believe like i feel like last month they were saying five years woo, and then now it's like freaking six years number six went by like weird dude so is your wife so, australian or is she american and you just bro, she's she's a freaking australian babe dude <laughs> so so freaking awesome yeah, yeah i went to australia and if you're like a if you're like a six in america yeah. When you go to Australia or like overseas, you immediately go to like a eight or a nine. Oh, really? <laughs> like when you hear a girl and she starts talking with another like a, a Australian accent or like English accent, you're like, oh, my gosh. And she might not even be that that hot. But because she's talking like that, right. you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I, I know, think that man. worked in my favor in Australia. Cause she's like so far out of my league, dude. She's like two years older than me. She had all her life together. And I was just like this punk kid that came over. Uh, it's definitely like only, only God. So she moved from Melbourne, Australia to Melbourne, Florida. That's funny. That is funny. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a huge downgrade because Melbourne, Australia yeah. is like a big booming city, but, but we have beaches here. So that's what, that's what people love about Melbourne, Florida. Yeah, for real. But, yeah, dude. So, it's been weird. That's crazy because like uh like me and my dad my dad actually lived in Australia when he was like real little, maybe like five or six or something like that, right? Yeah. Uh so growing up, you know, he got me into Australian football. Uh he actually we Bro. played we both played on a team in Philly. That is awesome. Because they have the USAFL. Okay. And um we actually played for the Hawks, which is uh Hawthorne, which is my favorite team. From Hawthorne, uh, Australia. So, um, uh, dude, we we represent the bombers in my house, okay? Because my that's what my dad likes. Bombers, that's what my dad likes. Yeah, Essendon. I went and saw a match one time with the uh, Hawthorne and Essendon, and uh, Essendon won, and that yeah. was awesome. Because we came with we came with Hawks fans, so it was good to kind of rub that in their face, bro. They're so competitive over there, dude. Like as oh, soon as their team starts losing, you just see them instantly sit back, and they're just like, "This is bull crap," yeah. you know. Yeah, man. And we're like, "What now? What?" <laughs> dude, they take it so seriously, man. Yeah, I mean, and it's so fun because it's like nonstop. You All know? the time. That's why, I, well, since all now they're showing it more on TV, my dad's been like, he hasn't watched NFL at all. He's just yeah. all AFL, you know, and we're, I'm going over his house to watch the grand final. Um, I think it's uh, later this month. But uh, well, both I of our teams. Been at all since I've been over here, so that's cool you guys still watch it. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I got the subscription package and stuff so I could watch all the games and, uh -huh. you know, uh me being a Hawthorne fan uh, didn't turn out too well because they they they're awful. <laughs> yeah, it's weird though, dude. Because I mean, in the NFL, I feel like teams kind of stay the same for a long time. But I feel like the AFL they cycle through a lot more, and the the like the kind of playing ground mm -hmm. like shifts between teams more often. But that's cool, dude. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just want to take a break for a second and talk about you know. 
you're building your immune system. We talk so much about what we're doing these days with masks and stuff like that. And yes, it's a great temporary help, but we want to focus on longevity. We want to focus on the long term. What can really help you, even if you get a cold or the flu or the virus, whatever. We want to, you want to be able to beat it. You want to be able to get through it with no problem. And that's having a strong immune system. And what can help you with that? You want to take, go to sdnutrition.com. You can look for onward. You can look for every damn day. Those are two things that can really help your immune system along with your diet and exercise, and I really, I've been preaching that since day one when this thing started because no one talks about it. You go to stnutrition.com, you can save 10% by using the code STRONG, S-T-R-O-N-G, and try uh, EDD every damn day and also onward. Check it out. Back to the episode. Here we go. Yo, your dad is a boss, bro. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I remember, so, dude, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, we went to school together yeah. at Red Lion Christian Academy, right. and I was like, I went there for fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, and you would have been. What year did you graduate oh, high nine. school? Oh nine. Yeah. So you were two. So you were two nine, three years. I I got a good Red Lion Christian Academy <laughs> education. Yeah, yeah. You see, I got to count on my fingers. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so three years before so me. So my and, sister, uh, my sister was above you. Was she a year yeah. above you? Okay. Yeah, she was Alyssa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember looking at you and some of the guys here. And it's funny, dude, because like our perception of people, it doesn't really change over time. So I still look at you as like a big kid and I'm a little kid because <laughs> I was in like seventh grade when you would have been like in 10th or 11th. So, yeah, that's funny. Anyways, but I remember your dad being this this guy, this teacher there and doing the photography and videography stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, this dude's a pro. What's he doing? Freaking teaching classes. This yeah. guy should be like doing documentaries for discovery channel or something. Like, uh, I just always thought that was so cool, dude. Your, your dad was awesome. And I never really interacted with him. It's just from what I was seeing and like stuff I see now. Then I see like John doing all his scooter, scooter videos and stuff. And yeah. I see you doing the podcast. I'm like, that's, that's definitely like a trickle down from your dad's influence, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it started with his dad. You know, his dad uh, actually did photography for weddings and stuff like that. Uh, he wasn't as professional as my dad is. Yeah. Uh, but my dad, I mean, he's a pro, you know, and he teaches, he actually teaches media arts now at Redline, not math. That's cool. So they actually that's created cool. a class just for him to teach. Yeah. And I was like, that's so, uh, it's so much needed now because you got people imagine how, how many things like i've seen so many people leave high school and start doing photography yeah you know and everyone can take yeah. pictures with their phone but it's not the same no and dude it's so accessible now like I, there was a time where if you were going to be a photographer you know we're talking you're you're dealing with negatives and film oh, yeah. and it's expensive and just developing the pictures themselves was an art form and there mm -hmm. was different processes and strategies to go about that and now we're in the digital world so it's like bro any anybody can pick it up with tools that cost way less than what used to be available and so and it's funny how back then they had photography classes and these you know, rooms to develop it and everything. And it seemed like schools are putting more funding into it. And now that it's easier, they're like not doing anything. It's like, you could be doing a photography class and like coming up with some amazing stuff right now mm -hmm. for way cheaper than what your budget would have been before for a multimedia class. But, and it's stuff they can take away with them, you, you yeah. know, because now you can, 
you could have a blog or you could have a YouTube channel. You could have a podcast. It could be a side gig. It could be a full-time thing. And a lot of that is more valuable in today's world than some of the other stuff that they put so much uh, like attention to in school. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool that they've set aside that. And that's the right spot for him, bro. I bet he's loving that. Oh yeah. I mean, and you get to teach like different things that you don't, you want, you can't really learn by yourself, like how to edit a video or like they make commercials like with green screen and different effects and how to use that and utilize it and angles. And you know, it's easy to watch something and you just, you think it's easy to put together, Uh you know, but then you think how much goes into it. Yeah. Like even just how much goes into someone interviewing someone. You watch the news and you see just an interview. You don't know yeah. how much lighting and how many cameras are around. It's ridiculous. No. no. It's a packed people room. Think, people think it's really easy. I, I've heard on average, I've heard this. I, I, I've i looked it up before and found it's true because I still believe it. I would have been like, nah, it's bull crap. But I still tell people this. So whenever I looked it up, it must have been somewhat accurate. But like for editing videos, it's like about uh, one minute of, of footage. And we're talking like interview type stuff, not mm-hmm. animation or anything. But for like one minute of ed- editing or sorry, for one minute of final product is about an hour of editing. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I don't know if you know, that's like probably during during COVID season for sure. But uh, like even before that, that's like a huge portion of my responsibility here at Discover Life Church. Okay. Uh, So I oversee our so my actual title was worship pastor. So on Sundays, I lead worship and everything. But during the week, I oversee our uh, video team and I am kind of like the final we have our executive team, of course, but right before that, I'm kind of like the final check on whether this stuff looks good or whether we're going to use it. Uh, so I have a lot of the media stuff on my plate and I, I've always enjoyed that stuff, but I didn't, certainly didn't go to school for it. So I've kind of picked it up over the five, six years that I've been here. Um, I've done audio editing with music and stuff more, mm-hmm. uh, but in the past two years, bro, like I spend my whole uh, you know, like probably half of my week, uh, in final cut pro just, yeah. or, uh, sorry. Um, whoa, why am I blanking Premier. right now? Final, final, final cut pro is, uh, is the Mac. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. I was thinking logic. I got final cut pro and logic. I'm getting the two mixed up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but I found that to be true, dude, like a minute, a uh, final product it took they're like oh it's a three minute video so i'm kind of like dude that took me half of my day bro <laughs> and that's not including the two hours of filming to mm-hmm. capture it to get so every sunday we have in the middle of our services uh three minute testimony video always so we we're like really big on capturing people's stories i think it's one of the like most important things that a person can use to talk about god yeah you, you know God's real because of your experience with him. I know God's real because of my experience with him. And every person has probably multiple stories, but mm-hmm. at least like a perspective of here's something that happened in my life. So we want to give people the opportunity to tell those stories. So we put that in our service every Sunday. So every week we're generating this content and it never goes away. Always It's always happening. So I'm always... Hey, anybody have anybody that has a story and people are sending me names, I'm contacting them, setting it up, bringing them into the room. Then we have like a team that 
records it. And we have another guy who does some editing and me and him kind of share that responsibility. So it's weird, dude. I, I have noticed how much work goes into it. Look like now. And it's funny when I hear people, I'm like, ah, you don't actually have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Cause when you say it's only going to take this long, it's like, well, maybe, maybe like if it's really crappy, but like, if you want it to be good, you got to spend the time in it. So but that's been a shift for me in COVID because we, for a while, we're not having services even like in person. Right, yeah. So, so even the experiences were being edited and then like pre we're pre-recording and doing all that. And man, it was, so I've learned, I've learned a lot in this last year in the audio, audio visual side of the multimedia stuff for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm the same, you know, I always, everything that I know I've taught myself, you know, and it's, it's yeah. funny. Cause sometimes my wife will be like, Oh, and I learned how to edit. I'm like, it's hard for me to teach because I learned a way that helps me. Yeah. I don't mm -hmm. know that. I don't know what you're supposed to do. You know what I mean? I say that to people and I show them like, Hey, this is how, this is how I do it, but you should probably watch some videos. Cause yeah. like, I don't know if this is the right way. I love, I love shortcuts, bro. So I learn a lot of the yeah. shortcuts, but so even when somebody is watching me, I say, oh, just watch me edit. But because I'm using all the shortcuts, they're like, well, what did you just do? What are you doing? Because mm -hmm. they don't even see like the clicker move. I'm just switching through stuff using the shortcuts. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, it's a it's a huge learning curve, too. When you first start, you're probably looking at like three hours for every minute. You know, one one hour, one hour of editing for a minute of video is probably more on the proficient side of things. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I used to I used to do like uh, cinematic videos. I was big into that, and I mean, that's awesome. And those are like one one like a sixty second and ninety seconds. Take me a whole week to edit. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Because you're finding yeah, you're finding the certain things, and then like you you want to speed it up and slow it down, and you're adding all these uh, like little things to it that you don't yeah. even notice as a regular person watching. Right. But then I do like, I'll be watching something. I was like, Oh, I hate that. And my wife's like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I lean into that. Cause I'm like, cause we're, we're d doing so much stuff. I'm like, well, is anybody going to notice this? Like only I'm going to notice this mm -hmm. and we're going to show It's going to be three minutes. Like, okay. It's not like it's going to hang out on this thing for a long time. <laughs> so sometimes I'm like, Nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Just leave it in. Because for us, like the importance of, in cinematography, dude, the, the final product is the art, bro. Like that, mm -hmm. it, it is the, it's as important as the story, right? So for us, it's like we're, we're literally setting up a camera. They're sitting in front of a backdrop and the story is, is the most important thing. So mm -hmm. I try not to get too caught up on like, man, that lighting wasn't perfect or there's this shadow here. Or, yeah. Um so anyway, the, the hardest thing for what we do is we're taking sometimes 20 minutes of a person's story and chopping it down to three. Right. And so I start at 20 minutes, then I get it down to like 10, then I get it down to like five, then I get down to like four, then I get down to like three. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, it's like really a small sliver. And I try and take the best parts and like make it a coherent thought. And so that that's the most time consuming part for what we're doing. Cause I'm we're ha like the editor is actually in a lot of ways, uh, like they're, they're deciding 
what goes in it or what doesn't. Right. And that's another part of the reason why we don't just have anybody doing it. Uh, cause it is like an important thing. So. And but, have you, have you ever had like people say like, Oh, why did you take that, this part out or that part out? So a lot of people, when I approach them and I say, we have three minutes, they think their story is too good for three minutes. Like a lot of, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, man, you know, I've been through a lot and you know, you're going to need an hour. And I'm like, well, here's the thing, dude. Like we, everybody has a story. It's, it's all really good. Yes. So what I encourage people to do is like, pick a, pick a portion then don't give us your whole life story. Cause yeah, that does deserve a documentary. Yeah. That, that is something awesome that we can't put down to three minutes. Right. So what podcast is for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but give me like a, give me like a, a specific scenario mm-hmm. where there's like a, you can see, and there's like a resolution to it. Um, and some people, some people do give us their life story, but they're not as wordy and they don't give all the details and we can fit it in like three minutes, you know? Oh, yeah. uh, when I was, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home then I, I fell away from the past. I, I turned to the wrong things, but then this thing happens, usually something tragic or like a wake up call, you know? Mm-hmm. And then people are like, okay, I need to get my life right. And a lot of the people are giving their stories. They end up getting saved at Discover Life Church. So when they come in, they give their hearts to Christ. And now, okay, here's what my life is like. We usually do that in three minutes, but some people have like crazy stories, man, crazy testimonies. I also get the opposite side where I'm like, Hey dude, you want to do a testimony? They're like, I don't really have anything good. And I'm like, bro, that that's a testimony in and of itself that like nothing horrible has happened to you mm-hmm. that you you've been able to live a life and, and, and uh, you know, God's been using you your whole life, you know? Uh, that's, that's awesome. So then that might be while well, they serve as an usher. So, Hey, talk about serving as an usher. What's that been like for you? Right. So, cause we try to tie all the testimony videos back to like either leading, leading people to Christ. So it's going to be encouraging to them and makes them want to like take a next step. Or we're going to talk about getting into a small group because we have our clicks because we think, you know, biblical Christian community, like acts, type we're a big church dude so you're not gonna get you're not gonna get that oh what jimmy called me the other day and me and ethel went out for lunch with (laughs) old harry and it was great you're not gonna get that on sundays at at our church that is the the senior small group specifically (laughs) talk about right there that's the seniors uh and so but they they meet every week and they do have that and they bring in their 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 cake and donuts and they have coffee and they meet and they have their bible studies and old old ethel and 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 harry and bill and jim they're all hanging out that does happen uh but a lot of people from sunday to getting into that group there has to be a connect so we try to use the testimony videos for that also for serving so if you if you want to get plugged in for me if you're a musician you're joining worship that we also have the kids department and then we have first impressions which is like the ushers greeters uh parking lot team so we try to a lot of a lot of problems uh a lot of churches spread themselves thin because they have like so many different things Mm -hmm. and uh we have a few core things and anything that we do has to pour into one of those core things so that would be our Sunday experiences, which is very evangelistic. We have our small groups, which is like discipleship. 
And then we have serving, which is like using your purpose. And those three areas, we try to tie them together. That's what everything's going to pour into one of those areas or achieve the the goal of those ministries in some way. Um, so like if we have, if we have a, a men's conference, we're going to, at the end of that, try and build a bunch of men's small groups, get people right. plugged in. If we have a women's conference, we're trying to do that with women. Um, so that's, that's one of the, that's one of the things that helps us stay focused yeah. like on what's actually important. Bro, what church do you go to right now? Me? I don't go to church at all right now. I follow a church on YouTube. Yeah, what church is that? Uh, I don't even know what the church is called. It's uh, Pastor, St- Pastor Stephen Furtick. Yeah, Elevation, bro. Elevation, that's what it is. Freaking yeah, love them, dude. Yeah, I mean, that Yo. dude That dude just, it seems to, you know, he seems to understand, like, the the younger mindset. And just yeah. trying, like, he reaches my heart a lot more than what these older guys would. Um, the <laughs> church, you know, the church I was at, you know, yeah, a lot of, I don't know, man. Like, I've just, I've just had my fill of churches over my life. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've argued with my family, like, with my opinions about it and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and I just have my, I worry about my relationship with Christ. You know what I mean? I know yeah. church is great to fellowship with other Christians and stuff like that, but all I see is hypocrisy a lot of times. Yeah. And I'm not saying all the time, but like, uh, I've, I've had moments in my life that stand out of my head and I remember them and it's just, all I remember is the people at church driving these kids or these, uh, this couple away from the church. Yeah. I'm just like, what are you doing? But because yeah, they're, di- they're, cause they're different yeah, and dude. they're not members here. They're not part of your clique, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, uh, when I, when I started getting older, like I actually, uh, started really becoming into my faith, like just a couple of years ago, you yeah. know, I've been in Christian school, Christian church my whole life. And I've that been sometimes to- is damaging, bro. You get desensitized to it because you're around it all the time. Yeah. I know what that's like. I mean, yeah. church three times a week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Yeah. You know, and it was just, uh, it was just, I was just tired of it, you know, and I yeah. tried to run away from it, run away from it. And then uh, again, and also like what you were saying before, everyone has this like crazy story where like, oh, I was a drug addict and I came off drugs and I found the Lord and, and you're, and someone could be sitting there and being like, oh, I didn't go through all that. You know, right. you know what I mean? Like, Most people don't, right. but we love to highlight those stories because that's like, whoa, look what God did. Of and it's like a lot of people are sitting there like they celebrate it. Right. But they're thinking my story's not that good. Mm-hmm. And I hate that. I don't like that. But yeah, man, I mean, and for me, I don't, you know, a lot of my family sees a problem with it with me not going to church. Um, I don't really have too much of a problem because I've been I talk to a lot of people about my faith that don't understand it, that don't, um, that think it's a fairy tale and yeah. all the, and all these things, you know? And I was like, yeah. I don't, I've never done that in all my years at church. I've never talked this much yeah. about my faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> Isn't know. Isn't that funny, dude? That's terrible, but that's how it is, man. So that, that's, I, bro, when I, I grew up in church too. So you and I mm-hmm. are probably very similar backgrounds. We went to church a lot. My family was very plugged in. My dad served at one point in my life. My mom was like a 
so my dad plays drums, so he would always play on the worship team. And my mom at one point was uh, a ch- children's pastor at a church. So we were super plugged in all the time, dude. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I, bro, I really didn't like church people. I, I still don't like the church people mm-hmm. because yeah. church people are often not Jesus people. They're just like, they're just religious more like a Pharisee than Jesus in a lot of ways, like super right. uh, po- pointing fingers, high and mighty, um, unwilling to listen. And you can't, if you can't listen to people, you can't understand them. And if you can't understand them, then you can't love them. And the whole point of this crap is to love people. So if you're not freaking listening, you're not loving. Mm-hmm. So you ain't Jesus. You're a Pharisee. Right. <laughs> like, but that's a lot of church people. So I grew up experiencing that, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a church that my parents went to. I try to honor. I try to honor, bro. So like I could immediately start dogging churches, bro, and being like, <laughs> this church did this and this church did that. Oh, and yeah, I went to yeah. this school and they did that. And like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Right. Uh, but one of the churches, I, I think uh, the, the pastor is a fantastic guy. Uh, my, my parents, we went there, but you had church people in church. Y- your pastor could be amazing, but y- you're always going to have the, the Christian church people. And you're going to always have to fight that. We, we even fight that here, bro. We, we probably do it here more actively, but you have to fight that. But I remember coming into youth group, right? We wore skinny jeans back before skinny jeans were like a thing, yeah, yeah. right? So we were like skating and stuff. And so we wore the skinny jeans and, and I was in, into metal music and hardcore scene was like my thing. So I'm coming into the youth group. We're a Christian family. Obviously I'm Christian. All the metal music I listen to, if you just read it, it's like, these are Bible verses practically, dude. Exactly, yeah. But they're yelling it. So it's demonic. It's gotta be, yeah. it's gotta be right. It's the devil's so, music. but come in and, and I, I remember some of the other youth kids telling me their parents had told them like they weren't allowed to hang out with me and my brother Jacob because we wore skinny jeans. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, what the heck is going on here? And it was like around that age where I was like, okay, all my presumptions, all, all everything I thought is, is accurate, dude. Like these people are not the, they care more about keeping their children in this like little Christian bubble. Mm-hmm. Than they are about reaching because dude i was interacting with a lot of kids who weren't christians or or were confused about it and i was like dude these kids need to hear about the stuff that we're talking about and yet we don't want them coming in because they might become friends with our kid and maybe try and influence them in a negative way mm-hmm. and it's like dude that is so opposite of what we're supposed to do and so people take like the in the world but not of it right yeah separate you know we got to be a light in the darkness well that means the light hits the darkness it's not so putting putting your light under like covering up your light which it talks about don't cover up the lampstand like show Mm -hmm. it so that everyone can see it i think putting a christian bubble on it is actually that's actually covering it up Mm -hmm. because now you're not being a representation of Christ. You just created your own little world away from all that stuff. You're like protecting your kids from it. So that's the environment I grew up in and I hated it, bro. So when I, when I turned like, uh, I, I guess I would have been like 16 or 17. I helped plant a church that was totally different. It, it was, uh, 
It's called True Life Church. It's still going strong in in Newark, Delaware. I freaking love those guys. And uh, they started out in a movie theater and I was in high school leading worship. And I remember Pastor Michael came to me and he's like, hey, dude, I hear you hate church, but like you love, but you love God. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I hate church. I freaking hate church, but I love God. I love Jesus. I think this is the right thing. I think we're on to something here, but church sucks. And he'd be like, yeah, I hate church too. And I'd be like, wait, aren't you planning a church? And he'd be like, yeah, let me tell you about it. I was like, oh, snap, hook, line, and sinker, dude. I was in. I was like, dude, when the pastor says he hates church, because the whole idea was like, let's build a church that loves people and doesn't do that stuff. Yeah. So then, so, so then being in ministry and seeing that and seeing lives actually get changed, I was like, dude, this is what I want to do forever. This is what I want my whole life to do. And dude, at that, at that time, I wasn't even doing everything the right way. You know, I, w- I was living a double life in a lot of, in a lot of aspects. I was leading worship and I had my Christian friends and then I was going to public school. And so I had friends outside of church for the first time ever, right? High school. Now it's public. Oh my gosh, I'm not in the Christian bubble. And I went ham, dude. I, I just did everything I wanted to do. And it was good and bad, you know? So I was, making music, but I was also being in the wrong places at the wrong time with the wrong people and still leading worship on Sundays at the same time. And I saw the grace of Pastor Michael, Michael Smith, and him to say, hey, you're you're jacked up, but I think you need to be here and God can still use you even in your place of brokenness. So then I'm like, wow, this is the real deal. This is complete opposite of everything I've ever been a part of. And ultimately that strategy changed me more than the strategy of you can't be here unless you get your crap together right and it was like even though your crap is not together you belong here and then that wow oh my gosh the strategy (laughs) of jesus it actually works like so and after that time i went to australia i did an internship at a church over there for a year i ended up dating the pastor's daughter oh yeah not not a good move (laughs) That, that that caused some drama, uh, but it worked out and we got married. And so we moved back here. So I knew at that point I wanted to do ministry because of like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. People like you and people like me who have been broken, hurt, abused by the church. And and we bro, I just I hate that. Like yeah. I, I if I if I see people trying to act higher than thou, mightier than thou, it's like, bro can you please just shut up and listen? You, you need to listen. And it's funny, dude, because our church right now, we've been doing a lot of that. And it's right, like, right smack. Hey, we're going here, dude. Let's, fr- let's freaking talking about it is, is like the politics yeah. and the race things that are happening right now. Yeah. Dude, that's another big problem with churches is Sunday at 9am is the most segregated hour in America. Bro, you got black churches, you got white churches, you got Spanish churches. Bro, everybody, it's like, what is going on here? I thought heaven looked like everybody, all nations. Yeah. So why the heck are we like separated like this? And so we we fought really hard at Discover Life. We have African-Americans. We have a ton of Puerto Rican people, Mexican people. We have Asians, people from the Philippines, people from China, people from Thailand. People from all over the world. We have Europeans. We got Australians. We have we have people from England. We have white, black, everywhere in between, dude. We got them all here. There's people on staff. There's people in leadership. Uh, 
we are more ethnically diverse than our actual like area, like the region, the zip mm-hmm. code. So, and we have fought for that, dude, because we know that a lot of times black people are not comfortable coming into a white church with a white pastor. I'm like, dude, they get crap from that, from their family members in their community. Wow. Oh, you, oh, you going over to that white man's church? Like that, that's the, that's the attitude. And so we've had to earn, earn trust and say, well, hold on. And, and here's where we had to do that. We had to step up to the plate because you have George Floyd being murdered and you have all these rioting and protesting against police brutality and racial injustice. Mm -hmm. And we can shut up, dude, and we can be quiet and we can pretend like it's not happening. Or we can be like, you're talking about this. This is stuff everybody's arguing about on Facebook. So we're going to talk about it and like give a clear, healthy perspective on it. Right. And uh, so we've been meeting, bro. We've been meeting with people uh, in small group settings with African-Americans, white people, bringing them together. We're calling them our unity forums. And we've been like discussing this for so ever since the, the death of George Floyd, bro, every week since then throughout the, the coronavirus uh, lockdowns we were doing it virtually but now we're back in person and dude it's just weird because the church has for so long been like not not relative so when we're talking about the stuff that you and i have dealt with mm-hmm. but then we're also talking about like the things that are going on in culture right and and the church is just like oh we're doing our own thing we have our worship services and Oh, the Lord is doing great things. And it's like, yeah, how many people got saved last year? Like, how, 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 for, for a lot of churches, how much did you give to missions? How many missionaries did you support? You know, how many, how many people got off, off drugs? Yes. Or, but not just as important as that. How many people weren't on drugs? They just needed community, found a group of friends. Like, and that's how we should be measuring like the, the success that we're doing, uh, what what God's moving. So so that's a big thing for us, dude. We're talking we're talking about be, making sure that our church looks like looks like heaven and that means everybody's welcome. And a lot of people forget when you ask like dude, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. What is the what is the number one thing that you remember being taught in church? Like what was the number one takeaway? Positive, negative? Like for me, it, it maybe would have been like, don't wear skinny jeans. Like that would be the one thing that really had an impact on me that church taught me as a kid. Uh, in church, um, I think the number one thing that when I, when you say that, the first thing that came to my mind was it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Bro, <laughs> bro, that is a perfect example of the church just picking a sin because it's the one that probably they don't deal with. Yeah. And just, dude, homosexuality and homosexuals over time have become like the whipping posts of Christians, bro. Yeah. We just, we we want to put them on the stand. We want to try them and freaking like, uh, it's, it's, it's so wrong, dude. And A, Revelation 21.8 describes sexual immorality and liars and every, all the sins that you deal with, they're on there too, bro. <laughs> like, exactly. why do we pick that one? Uh, so so, dude, that's that's the problem. I've never asked anybody that question. Pastor Ken, he's a pastor here at Discover Life Church. So he has this thing that he does. He asks people that. And he said, like, he's probably, he's been doing it for, he's been a pastor here for like 15 years. Um, 
might be closer to 20, dude. It's been a long time. Uh, but he's been asking people that question for a long time. And he said, nobody has ever said the right answer because church has taught people the wrong thing. Like anybody who comes from church is damaged, bro. They've been taught the wrong thing because when the Pharisees asked Jesus, what is the number one commandment? He said, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And then he said, the second is just as important as the first, which means there's not one most important. There's two most important commands. And it's love your neighbor as yourself or treat others as you would have to be treated. Right. So love God and love people. And I'm Stephen Furtick would have said that a lot, dude. They talk about that. There's a lot of churches who are getting this right, bro. But the number one and number two command is love God and love people. And that should be if the church did it right. Whenever somebody asked that question, that should be the first thing they say. Oh, yeah. Love God, love people. That's most important. Yeah. Obviously. No, yeah. dude, we, we, we suck. We the church has sucked at at teaching that uh, we focused on it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And it's like, yeah, but Adam and Steve, they came into church on Sunday because they were looking for Jesus. And, and you Steve came away. down to the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like here at Discover Life, dude, we've had married couples come in, married homosexuals come in. One of them gets saved. Well, now is the first conversation we have is like, hey, you got to divorce your your husband of of five years who you have a kid with. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no, that is not the conversation that you have. That is not the conversation. So you say, hey, God loves you. And if we get them plugged into discipleship community which here would be like our small groups and then the conversation comes up there's a woman who serves in our uh this is so cool bro we're gonna do a video soon about it but her name is judy she's been here longer than i've been here so over six years maybe seven eight nine years she's serving in our production booth she's been doing that since before i was here so she's she's on the computer she clicks the lyrics while people are singing in our worship experience Bro, she's married to a guy named John, Judy and John. I love them so much, dude. She was married to a woman when she came to Discover Life. Married to a woman, came, got saved, and we didn't know she was married. We got her plugged in on the worship team, and she was singing and leading worship. And then we're like, hey, we never met Judy's husband. And then this is in the early stages of Facebook, and somebody was stalking and saw, Judy doesn't have a husband. She has a wife. And it's like, well, now what do we do? She's been leading worship. We've been loving her. She's been saved. She's obviously growing. We see her relationship with God is just being strengthened and she's being discipled. And then there's this. So now what do we do? Right. So and it's amazing, dude, because in the process of conversations and loving Judy, she found scriptures herself that convicted her to go to her wife and say, listen, I think we just need to separate I feel like this could be keeping me from growing in my relationship with Christ. And that was her own personal convictions. But it's just because we were just loving her, dude. We were just having conversations with her. We didn't say you have to divorce your wife like that. Never. We never did that. It was the Holy Spirit worked in her life and revealed this stuff to her and, you know, used people to have loving conversations. But at the end of it, her and her wife both attended discover life separately she ended up meeting a man getting married uh her wife passed away uh but she she was in the church too so yeah like this amazing story i and and i could show you 
hundreds of examples of churches that did it wrong, bro. Yeah. They did it wrong because they're because those people who came in, they got rejected and they're not here anymore. And right now we're talking about homosexuality, but dude, there's a hundred, there's a hundred uh, sins that yeah. that's happened with. Dude. But I think I think some people like if they heard that story, they would kind of take it the wrong way. Uh huh. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like me, tell me, yeah, tell me what you mean. So kind of like, like the way you're talking about, it, like oh, we showed her love and all this other stuff, and then she decided herself to leave a woman and become and be with a man. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So what if a woman was like that, but then she didn't be with a man? You know what I'm saying? So I think yeah. if other people would say hear a, that, you know, they'd yeah. be like, oh, that's just their nice way of saying, of pushing me towards the opposites. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, dude, it's like, if you come here and, and, you, and you're a homosexual and that's something that we're going to love you, you anyway, could, it doesn't you matter, could be married. Yeah, dude. Man. And at the, at the end of the day, it is not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility to change you. That's God's responsibility. The Holy Spirit is going to change people. Right. And I trust the Holy Spirit to do all the changing in the ways that he wants in his own plan and purpose. Because mm-hmm. whenever I try to do stuff my way in life, it never goes right. Yeah. So I'm always going to trust God to do the changing. Now, what I'll do is I'll answer questions. I'll help disciple I'll help point you in the right direction according to what I believe, you know, God has spoken in his word in the Bible and scriptures. And if you ask me questions or then we'll talk, we'll have those conversations, but I'm not going to freaking do it. Like I mean, dude, Yeah, yeah. why are Christians are so mean? I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to love you. Yeah. So we, we say, we say we love the hell out of people. Oh, <laughs> Cause it makes dude, sense, man. Yeah. Because so, so yeah, people could, People could take that the wrong way, but that's just Judy's story. There's there's a lot of right, other lot, stories right. of people here in the church. And uh and Judy at the time, John told me, he told me, he said, he's like, I asked her out. She said no at first. And she's like, I didn't know if I I wanted to be with the man. Like mm-hmm. I I at that time I was going through a separation and I wasn't sure I wanted to do that, but John said he saw her and he said, That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, dude, I hope you didn't tell her that right away. He said, no, no, no. But he's like, but I had confidence to go and ask her out. I just thought, so it's so funny, man. But but she, Judy has an extreme heart for people from that background. Yeah. So like we, we had a very tragic, uh, there was a shooting happened in Orlando a few years ago mm-hmm. at, at a, a gay bar right. in Orlando. And Judy, I remember coming in a week or two after, and Judy's like, I had friends there. And I'm like, wow, that's that's tough. That's hard. And so she's like, you know, s- still still connected to a lot of the people who are there showing God's love and being, uh, you know, a good person still, right? Like, we're supposed to be good people. Yeah. Um, but I think that's the key, dude, is to allow God to change people, because if we try to change them, it never worked. Like I can't say, "Oh well, right. you're you're homosexual." I'm going to schedule a one hour meeting for the next six weeks, and we're going to get you gay free. Like, dude, that doesn't right. work, man. It doesn't even that, work for that, ourselves. You know no, what I mean? I tried exactly. to take. I just tried to take control of my life. I had huge anger issues. I'd be angry for yeah. no reason. I yeah. had huge anger issues from um, middle school, or from I can remember from middle school to you know just a couple years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went to a therapist and all that stuff. I took medication 
and yeah. whatever. And nothing, nothing did it. You know, yeah. it took, it took my own, my own personal work on it. And then yeah. also, uh, just talking to God about it. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. over time, man, I'm just getting better and better by letting things go and not letting things bother me as much. And just like, I feel free from it and it's yeah. a big weight lifted That's on good. my back, man. And That's I'm telling good. you, like, I'm telling you, like, like when I started getting back with talking to God and, um, and just finding scripture and stuff like that, that like can pertain to my life yeah. and just really, uh, motivate me and inspire me. Um, things that just move forward. Right. You know, yeah. and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more positive person I and mean, I care about things. I'm passionate about things and, yeah. you know, it's helped me, um, with my, with my like small family that I have, my wife and my dog, like, and just, uh, help us move forward and get better every single day at whatever yeah. we're doing. Yeah. And that's all because that's, of God, not because of me. Right. All we can do is have like a willingness to say, okay. I'll, I will change. Mm -hmm. But if you try to like will it into happening or you try to make it happen in your own strength. Yeah, dude, it never works out. It never works out. I, th I think you, you can, you can definitely take steps to change. Uh, and that's kind of like our part. You know, we, we do have a role in our transformation, mm -hmm. in our journey of growth. We do have to take the steps, uh, so, but it's like, you're saying, uh, I think the willingness to take each step, it's funny, dude, because when you take a step and you see, like, it turns out, okay. Then you're like, I'm more confident now to take the next step oh, yeah. and to take the next step because you see God just like kind of coming through, pulling through. Dude, I don't know. I don't know if, uh, are a lot of your listeners, like are a lot of them Christians or have you found, uh, oh, dude, it's like, everyone. It's everybody. It's everyone. It's everybody. Because I have so, I just have random people on. I have people yeah. that I think are interesting that I want to talk to. Like for yeah. you, like with you, um, first time I remember you playing up in chapel and you were a little, <laughs> you were a little kid, man. Oh my God, bro. There's some embarrassing videos that I need to take down because people could find those. Yes, dude. Yes. Dude, but it's not even uh, embarrassing. You were good. Yeah. Like even when you were little, I was like, dang, go on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and the most music I ever did was like, I was in a band for like a second and I was the screamer. So it's not, it doesn't take any talent to do that. You know what I mean? It does. It takes talent, bro. I mean, it takes a, talent. You know, it's just something I figured out. That's, that's all I see it as, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, yeah, well, like what is that did you always feel that music was your thing? Because you were never shy about it. Like you were up there in front of all the the high schoolers, like playing piano yeah. and like singing and stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a bit of a complex when I was younger growing up, dude. Like um I I think, uh, so I was surrounded by people who were musicians. My, my dad's a drummer, everybody in my family, uh, extended family, they're all kick butt musicians, dude. They can all play multiple instruments. They can sing. So for me, the, the first thing was singing. And I remember my mom, she had me sing a song for like a, a service or something somewhere. That, that's the cool thing about church, bro, is like if I if I didn't grow up in a Christian home and I didn't have church, 
I would have had way less opportunities to make music. Yeah. So that's one of that's one of the cool mm-hmm. things that I I love about about church is that we we do put music we give it we give it space. Yeah. Which is great for people like me who, you know, younger growing up. So anyway, I remember singing and I think I remember realizing like a lot of people telling me, "Oh, you did such a great job. Oh, that was very cool, man. You're going to go you're going to do so much with that." Like and so I kind of got like this big head and I was like, oh, man, I think I think I'm good at this singing thing. Like, man, this is I, yeah, maybe I should maybe I should like lean into that more. And we had a piano at my house. So I'd play piano. My my parents actually forced me to take piano lessons. So I wanted to play drums. And they're like, no, before you play drums, you need to you need to take piano lessons. And the whole idea behind that is the piano is like the best instrument for like a foundation for music learning because every note is visually visible if if you play a guitar you've got a bunch of frets and strings you have to put your finger on the fret and then play the string that's how you hit a note on a piano every note is literally just a button Mm -hmm. so you can see all the buttons so you can see all the notes Uh so if you learn on a piano your brain just kind of locks that in. Now, when I play a guitar, I'm able to visualize the notes on a keyboard while I'm playing it. Um, so anyway, so I, I played piano and then my dad eventually did buy me a drum set. I never took lessons because he just showed me how to play. Um, and then, but the problem is, dude, I it jacked me up over time. People telling me, oh, you, you, you do such a good job. Oh, yeah. you're going to go far with that because... I got cocky. Mm-hmm. Pride is probably my number one problem, uh, which is never good for somebody who is on stage in the spotlight. Right. Um, so it exacerbated that, made it made it worse. So when I was like 15, I thought, ah, dude, when I'm 16, I'm trying out for American Idol. I'm going to win and be famous. <laughs> like that's what I thought. I legit, dude, it's so stupid how legit, like I actually believe that, bro. Like I actually thought, I was that freaking good, dude, yeah, yeah. which is just so naive because there are so many really talented people out there. And uh, so I ended up, I, I never did audition for American Idol, but I did pursue music in other realms. So I, I found a group of friends who played heavy metal music and my eyes were open. And I was like, this music is so, number one, it was like super easy to write. And number two, it was just fun to play. And three, it got you girls. And that was like, my thing. There you <laughs> go. Like, girls love this, dude. That's the thing, bro. You either had to be like a really good athlete or play guitar. Yeah. And I could, I was not athletic around like middle school. When, when everybody started going through puberty, I realized like, oh, some of us are made for this and some of us are not. <laughs> that was me. So I was like, I'm going to play guitar. So I got into that. And, uh, but anyway, so yeah, dude. So I've I've been doing music ever since then, and playing in bands. And then I was seeing, oh, there's like, we were playing shows and gaining fan base. I was in a couple different bands that I was like, wow, this this could be something. But again, we were so young, dude, so naive. You know, we thought we're gonna get signed, and like, dude, life is not like that, dude. Like, there's oh, no, yeah, it's, it's there's tough, no, man. there's yeah, dude, it, it's uh, it's it's chance, and and so anyway, we just eventually over time, I really pressed into leading worship because that's at that at that time that's where I joined True Life and was planning a church, uh, and it also gave me an opportunity to like 
lead. And that's where I was like, oh, I, I enjoy, I enjoy leading people. I enjoy, uh, you know, directing a team. Uh, so now I have, I have a band and they're following me and I'm, and that, that has helped me significant over the years because I did, I do know how to play drums. I do know how to play piano. I do know how to play guitar. I do know how to play bass. So now I have this band of all these instruments. I know how to play them all. So if I want them to do something, I know how to, how to tell them. Uh, but dude, that was all hours in my bedroom. Yeah. That's really what that was. Like you're talking about teaching yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I never had official guitar lessons. I had piano lessons, but I never had official drum lessons. Right. And I did piano lessons. And I remember going to, it was probably after like two or three years. And I, Mrs. Richwine, shout out Miss Richwine, my piano teacher. I said, uh, so I told mom, I was like, I don't want to learn all this freaking box stuff and this junk sheet music i was like that's not what anybody is playing i was like i want i want to write music that i'm listening to i don't want to go to school to juilliard and do all that i want to play pop music like that's what i want to do i wanted to be i I wanted to perform and entertain so i was like teach me how to play chords so she taught me how to do chords which a chord is a triad so you have the root note and then the third note and the fifth note. And you hit that, boom, you have a chord. You're going to hit the, the root note down at the bottom, a few octaves down, boom, you hit a chord. She taught me that, dude. I never had a piano lesson again. Because I was like, oh, this is how you do it now. Good. We're done. Yeah. We're done here. So, And then I had a few opportunities to play play in church. Um, have Red Lion, I think they started me on, on drums. And... I was, I, dude, I remember being nervous as, dude, that, that yeah. was fifth grade. So I, I, they actually let me play for the elementary chapel and dude, I'm sure it was horrible, but like they let me, they gave me an opportunity. And I remember, I think like the second time I played, I dropped my drumstick and I just sat there. Oh man! <laughs> I, 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 I didn't know, pick up the drumstick and keep playing. No, I just, I just, I was like, well. We're done here. I just sat there awkwardly like fifth grader, just scared out of my mind. Uh, but that that was so learning experiences like that over time and and then learning that I am not this freaking I'm not all that I think I am. So mm. when I was when I was like uh, in 11th grade at this point, I, I was like, I, I didn't want to do American Idol or any of that crap. Yeah. But some there was this family that I used to hang out with. They called me. They said, "Hey, we're taking a trip. I think it was to D.C. or Philly or somewhere. It was like a city nearby." They're like, "Hey, we're going, and uh, we you're trying out for the X Factor." That was like the first year the X Factor ever happened. Like Simon Cowell's new show, you're gonna win. And I was like, "I'm not doing that." But like, you paid for it. You, I, I don't know if they paid for it, but they signed me up. They paid to drive us up there, uh, and they're like. We're going to do it. And your brother can audition too. So Jacob came too. So we went up there. Be dude. It was like 25,000 people because mm. it was the first time ever for that show. And it was a big city. So 25,000 people show up. And I remember standing in line hours before thinking, this is stupid because it was like raining and it was cold. And I, and I saw all these people and I was like, they want this so much more than I do. Like they these people are really hoping that they win. And I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe something could happen, but if it doesn't, so what? So we, we auditioned and Jacob, uh, 
he didn't make it through the first round. He's a great singer, but that's never his thing. He played guitar and stuff. He didn't put as much effort into it. So he didn't make it, but I, I made it through the first round. So we ended up buying a hotel. And I think we made it through another round. And then like this one, this is the last round before you would go on the show. And, uh, <clears throat> and you were in front of producers, wasn't judges. Mm-hmm. They were just deciding whether or not you were going to go in front of the judges, I guess. And, um, and I remember sitting there, it was probably about like 200 people at this point. So we got 25,000 to 200 people and we're surrounded by me and like some people who look normal and then just straight up weirdos, bro. And I remember thinking like, these people can't sing. This is the whole, they're doing that American Idol thing again. They're, they're bringing weirdos on and, and that's, that's, it's the whole thing. It's a gimmick. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, so when I, I did the last round and I sang a song and dude, I sang a, uh, I don't know if you remember, it's a song called children of divorce by Johnny Craig. Okay. So, yeah. So like for me, that was like, Johnny Craig is the best, like biggest. Yeah. But he's like, that was the other thing, dude. If you played metal music, you thought the world of metal and then you'd be like, Ask a random person on the side of yeah, the road. No hey, bro, you know a day to remember? Like, that's the biggest band at the time. And they're like, yeah. huh? And you're like, oh, my gosh. So that I had a revelation there, too, where I was like, even if we become the biggest metal band in the world, we'll still be nobodies. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is not what I want to pursue. Anyway, so then I sang that song and they said, do you have anything else? They're like, we don't, we don't know that song. So, like, we don't really know if, like, sing something we would know. And I think I did... Uh, hallelujah 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 and i was like looking back now i'm like i think that like 80 percent of the auditions probably did that song so they're like so they said okay thank you they like talked for something like man uh great job you have a really great voice but you're not what we're looking for for the show this year and i was like cool so (laughs) me and my my mom went home and that was the end of that but during that process it was humbling because it made me realize like wow so many people want this that was just one city they were doing that in every city so who knows how many people auditioned for that show and that's these people are also performing and they're also they have their own careers they're trying to build and they're hoping they can get a big break by doing the show so it's like all these people are trying to do this and so that was discouraging to me in the sense that like I don't think I'll ever be famous. I don't think I'll ever be Justin Bieber you know I'm not I'm not gonna be Miley Cyrus level like but but, but it made me realize like, is that's okay. I still want to do this. Like, I think at one point I would have not been okay with playing music if I knew it wouldn't get the fame and glory. Yeah. Like there was that was part of the motivation. But after that experience, I realized like, ah, oh, not even if I don't have any of that, I just love music and I love expressing myself. And even if we're not recording, dude, it's just me and four people, and we're just. Nobody's ever going to hear what we're playing. It's just fun. We're just having fun. And that is something that I think, man, I'm glad I have that way to express myself, bro. Because if I didn't have the ability to write music and play music, what would that outlet be? You know, maybe maybe it would be uh, playing music, could be or uh, uh, playing sports, could be uh, drawing, could be. I don't know, poetry could be film, filmography and photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it's music. And what's cool about music is it kind of permeates all of those things. The only, 
even at sports, when you come out to a game, what's playing? The music. Yeah. Like what? That's a part of the experience at the halftime show. What what is in the middle of it? Music. Yeah, man. I mean, you know? I'll, I'll tell you the biggest part for me, like like when I was going to church and stuff, is, is the music. And even now. Yeah. You know what I mean? The yeah. music hits dude, me. Dude, Elevation harder. has amazing music. Oh, bro. dude, I know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. the music hits me harder than any sermon or message, whatever you know, anything a pastor could say. Yeah. Like the words, and uh, I think about um. I don't know if you saw that movie about Jeremy Camp and his story. They came out. I haven't, but I love Jeremy Camp. Yeah, man. I mean, and it's just to actually put his like kind of like a you get a picture of what he went through during that time. And the song, um, I still believe when he was writing that, and I think that's what the movie's called too. Yeah. Uh, when, so when he wrote that song, you put the song, you think about the song and then you see, see the actual film. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my gosh. Like, and it just, it just hits you hard. Yeah. And it's like, I, like, I never thought about that song that way. Yeah. Until you actually see, you kind of like see it, you know what I mean? And, I love uh, that about worship music, dude. Yeah. Because there is, whoever wrote the song, That's that was a, probably started as a private place, private yeah. conversation. Yeah. So I, I write music a lot, bro. And there are, I heard Carrie Job. Uh, she's a great worship leader. She did that song. I think it was with Elevation, The Blessing. Okay. She's the girl that's singing that song. So they, she said one time in a workshop that I was a part of, she said that, uh, there are songs you'll, you'll write a lot of songs. Some of those songs are for you to put out for mm-hmm. people to sing along to, for you to play with the band, to do at a conference or doing a worship service. It's like, but other songs, it's just for you and God. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have songs that I've written that no one will ever hear. Cause it's just a, it's just a song for me and my relationship with God and my intimate moment. But all of those songs start in an intimate place where, so most of the time that I write a song, the pro- so what the process of my songwriting looks like uh, usually is I'm sitting on a piano, sometimes a guitar, but I have a I have a, a old Rhodes from the the 70s, which is an electric piano. It's like a highly sought after instrument. Just wild, crazy story. It ended up in my living room, so it's there. I love it. It's like it's awesome. So I turn that on. It's just this unique sound. I usually am playing. And then I just start praying. And for me, because I can sing, I just sing my prayers. And then usually I just shut up and I keep playing piano, but I'm, I'm, I can play piano and kind of turn my brain off. And that's kind of me just like listening. And sometimes God like brings, brings words to mind or I have a thought. And then usually if I'm like, Oh, that might be something that we should sing in church. And then I'll write it down. And, um, and then, so we do, we, we do original that that's crazy, dude. I would never, never have that opportunity anywhere, but in church mm-hmm. to have, you know, we're, we're a church of thousands of people to be here and have, we have multiple experiences. So like in the room at one time, say like three or 400 people singing along to a song that I wrote, yeah. but it's not because they're <laughs> like. It, it, it's not like rock and roll, like we're singing along because this is a great. It's like, right. no, they're singing along and having an intimate, like something is happening in their heart, like God is changing them. And it's all because of some song, some words that I wrote down that God put on my heart. That's crazy. And then we, we did it with the band. And I see people putting their hands up and worshiping. And so at this point, I've, re- 
I, re- I when I came back from Australia, that was five years ago. I released an album, and it was just like five songs that I wrote, and uh, and that that never I wasn't at that time I wasn't leading worship at a church uh, in America. I was kind of back and forth. That was my in between phase uh, before I went back to Australia and got married. Um, so, but at Discover Life about three or four years ago, we released the album. Uh, so it's D- DL Worship is the name of the, the band, Discover Life Worship, DL Worship. And that's on iTunes and stuff. And do, so it's weird. I ha- I'm, I helped write an album that, and like my name is on every song. So other people have written stuff, but ultimately I, I just, I don't know, dude, it's just a gift that I have and the experience that I have that I can just write songs and put music together and i think part of that is just like trusting mm-hmm. because a lot of people they probably could write songs but they don't think they can right. so i'll write crappy stuff sometimes and just be like what do you think and they're <laughs> like that sucks but this one part is good let's yeah. let's take that uh so anyway so yeah we have i have an album and we have been doing songs here in church and i've had people come to me and be like hey what is that song that you guys were singing i've been looking it up it's such an awesome song like god's been speaking to me i'll be like yeah, we wrote that. And and that's just like, there's nothing more. So I talk about what do I want to do with my life, dude, I haven't found anything more satisfying than that, because that's the gifts that I was given. And the ability to and I'm sure rock stars experience that when they're playing in a stadium and everybody's singing along, dude. like Bruce Springsteen is probably motivated by him in a stadium and everyone's just yelling, Bruce, Bruce, right, right. And everyone's saying, born in the USA, right? Like that is probably, he's like, dude, this is what I was made to do. So now like do that and like add the spiritual level of like, yeah, there's an eternal impact happening. Yeah. Bro, can't be that. I And and I have that opportunity here. So why would I ever try and run from that? That's so that's kind of. Yeah, man, that's cool. So I love it. I like to end these things by asking, like, what is your mindset and your motivation, like, moving forward with what you're doing in, in your in your life right now, bro? If anybody is listening right now, and they're a believer and they're thinking about going into ministry, or maybe they're in ministry, just started. Uh, I would, I would, if you're in ministry, you know this is true, dude. It is not easy, and it is not rainbows and butterflies and unicorns it's not a cakewalk dude i i was so naive bro because when i start i thought what will i do with my life i'm gonna play music what's the easiest way to play music and get paid be a worship pastor like that's that's my process right and although i didn't start as a worship pastor they hired me knowing that i would lead worship on sundays as well so i I was so naive and I thought I was oh, this is going to be so easy, dude. No, bro. It sucks. Like ministry is hard, dude. You do dealing with people is messy. Mm -hmm. It's so messy, bro. You you know, a lot of people are like, oh, avoid the drama. And we're like, well, the drama is what I deal with like that. I'm I'm a pastor. So I actually am bringing the drama up with the people and we're dealing with it and taking care of it. Like we want the drama to go away, but we can't ignore it. We have to we have to deal with it. So it's super messy. And my motivation cannot be uh, the fact that it's easy 
or or because I just I love every second of it. Like, no, dude, I freaking hate it. I've had so many moments where I've called other pastor friends who are in ministry. I'd be like, dude, I'm quitting this week. Like, I am done. I can't take it anymore. <clears throat> and then being like, no, calm down, relax, you know. And then having to realize, like, I'm not doing this because it's easy. I'm not doing it because I get a paycheck because the paycheck is not rock star paycheck. Right. It's it's a small we work for a church. We're frugal with our money. So I'm not making a ton of money. Uh, so I'm not doing it for the money. Um, so then what? So then, yeah. So what is the motivation to keep doing it, to keep going forward? It can't be any of those things. It has to be my my calling and knowing that this is where God wants me. So at the end of the day, when I die, whenever that is, and and I, you know, and if you're a believer, then this is how it is. When you when you go to heaven and you look and and God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. I want him to say that and me be like, wow. Yeah, we did good. We did good, God. Thank you for using me. I don't want it to be like, well. I did good, but it could have been great. Like, right, I, right. and I, so I want the motivation. I want it to be, am I getting the most out of life that I possibly can? Because life is temporary. It, it's not going to last forever. Mm -hmm. And it's like a blink, dude, is what, is what scripture tells us. It's like a vapor, which means it's here and it's gone. Like that diffuser behind you, the freaking <laughs> stuff coming out, it's gone by the time it hits the top of the screen that I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. That's life, man. So do I, I want to get the most out of that time that I have. And the only way for me to do that, according to what I believe, is to make sure that I'm doing what God has called me to do. That's how I know that I'm going to be the best father I can be. I know that I'm going to be the best husband I can be. I know I'm going to be the best singer, the best musician, uh, the best video editor, whatever, whatever realm it is. It has to be motivated by God is leading me. This is what God has called me to do. And the easiest thing that motivates me to do that is when I see life change happening in people because they're experiencing freedom from burdens that they have. Uh, they're happier. They're experiencing joy. Uh, they're stepping into their calling, right? I have multiple people on my team that I've seen them just like take a step and start doing something. And they didn't even realize that this is what they were good at. And now they're thriving and they're growing. And potentially that's going to be what they do for a living. Once they quit their day-to-day -day normal job, now they're going to be doing these things. And it was all because I played a role. I It was because of God, but because of God, I got to play a role in that. I had an opportunity. So that's what motivates me. And I'm trying to get buff, dude. So I'm trying to get healthy, <laughs> not just spiritually, but physically, there dude. Go, I've, been I've been working out and stuff because I need the mental, I need the mental clarity. And it's been so good to just like go to the gym and work out for an hour and turn everything off and be focused and be like, okay, God, today we're editing Christina's video and we're going to tell her story. Thank you God for giving me this opportunity to tell it. 9 10. Okay, we're good. Like go, it's just yeah, so uh but I have I'm in a season right now of growth because yeah. we've had so much personal reflection. Everything's shut down. Yeah. So you're forced you're forced to look within yourself and say what now? What now? So, it's been a good season. So, that was a super long answer. Hey man, it's all uh, good though. But I I hope Bro, thank you so much for having me on here, dude. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming I talked on, way too much. I should have been letting you talk more. Dude, it's about you.
People hear no. me talk all the time. No. All right. Well, dude, uh, is this like the first conversation we've had? We were texting, probably, but like. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that is that is so awesome, bro. So, yo, it's cool because you're being you're being used to give people a platform. And hey, I think that's awesome. That's dude. what I'm trying to do, man. I'm trying to build my platform so that I can give other people something to say. Yeah. You know what I mean? Being yeah, used, yeah. While, so that's while I'm cool. having fun. Yeah, because you have to grow so that you can give people more opportunity. Yeah. So that's cool. It's it it's not selfish to actually promote yourself and try and grow your platform because you're actually doing it for other. It's a selfless thing if you think about it. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm that's trying. Totally. Is there anything that you want to plug or anything like that? Uh, dude, I have a clothing company. I was going to ask you about that. I was like, do you still do that? Cause I haven't seen you post about it or anything. Oh yeah, dude. You know, because COVID happened and I picked oh, okay. up all the video editing, mm-hmm. uh, but the site is still up and running. People still order stuff. I see a lot of people coming into church, like, uh, and they're wearing our gear. So it's cool. It's called, uh, from death apparel. Okay. And the whole idea of that is it's Christian, but it's not like in your face christian doesn't have to be i kind of like it being like oh people people what what is up with that what is that from death mm-hmm. why are you wearing a, why are you wearing a, scr- a skull on your shirt like yeah. i don't know i uh so i and i love design bro so i i started before video editing i was doing graphic design so uh i thought man this is a great opportunity for me to make some designs put them on shirts people can wear them uh so yeah if you go to fromdeathapparel.com there's a bunch of stuff there and uh, you can order it and then it, it gets shipped. Uh, I don't know if I've had anybody order internationally, but I think we could work out some shipping to that. But it ships to all over the U.S., free shipping. And uh, it's cool, bro, because it's giving me an opportunity. That's not really like a it's not really like a, a huge moneymaker or right, something right, where I'm yeah. like. It's kind of like a, I was testing the waters and it's just really cool to it's another opportunity for like me to I'm artistic. So I like to use my use my gift. So it's something to create art and put it on somebody's chest or on their back. I don't know. It's just cool. Yeah. That's like that's like uh, something I, I enjoy. So I started doing that. But, yeah, it's up and running. So people could go could go and do that and uh, order some stuff from Death Apparel. Um, but no, I don't. I, do I don't have do any, that much. Do you have any like solo music out or anything like that? I should. I you should. should my 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 friend John Gillespie is going to be mad because a, a few months ago we had a long conversation and he was like, you need to do it. And I was like, ah, yeah, I will. I will. And then I haven't. I still haven't yet uh, because uh, I could give a hundred excuses. Um, <laughs> but the, probably probably the, the main thing is I would feel comfortable doing that if I knew I was supplying like our congregation with enough music, like I was outputting enough stuff to use at our church. And I still feel like we're not, I haven't hit, I haven't hit the mark on like, I would say when we're at a place where we're doing all of our own music and, and maybe a few songs right now, we're doing mostly other people's music and some of our songs. And the reason why I would love to do that is because we can write songs that are very specific to our congregation and what we're going through and and things that pastor ken is speaking about uh 
which is like what Elevation does. Mm-hmm. A lot of their songs, when they come out, they, they directly correlate to what to Pastor right. Stephen is talking about. So, yeah. yeah, so I would love to do that. And I feel like if I put out a solo album right now, I'd be doing it injustice to my calling because if it took away time that I should be giving to to that. Yeah. Um, but, bro, I... <laughs> or, or just a single here and there you know what i'm saying it don't have to be a full dude i did make a single which is probably gonna come out soon okay but it is not it it is a kid song bro okay you know i'm on a kid grind dude okay so i have two kids and my daughter leo so in my in my house we're always making music all the time dumb crap dude just yeah, yeah. Dumb, like rylan will be like uh uh, he'll love dinosaurs. So he's like a T-Rex one day and he's like freaking punching me and kicking me and acting like he's a T-Rex. And then we just start s- singing rock and roll songs. That's what he says. Oh, rock and roll. We just start making up songs about T-Rexes. Right. So that's, we just do that all the time. I hope someday that'll like inspire him. Like, dude, just write music, whatever you want yeah. to sing stuff. So one of the, leo my daughter she's eating macaroni like a machine dude just freaking downing it all one day and so me and rylan we start singing leo loves macaroni 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 and dude so then one day while bethany's at work and i'm watching the kids i recorded a legit track dude like it's it's Full production, bro, like high quality. (laughs) And we recorded on it. So we have the track made. We got to make like a music video or something. We'll we'll probably put that out. I would kind of feel bad, though, like if the thing that took off was this freaking macaroni song. Like after everything I've done. That'd be hilarious, this, This is what... Uh, but really, it, dude, it's just it's just because me and Rylan and Leo, we made the song together. And but I showed a couple of people and they're like, dude, you have to put this out. So, yeah, so maybe maybe in the next podcast, we'll be talking about my uh, new kids album that's coming out. If it freaking if people love it enough. So there you go. And if you ever decide to get back into like metal or anything, you know, you know who to hit up. Like, I'll help you out, you know, dude. <laughs> Yes, bro. Yo, how metal is is your title too for your podcast? And it looks metal too, bro. When I well, saw that, you that first was my, started, yeah, man. I mean, that was my kind of like feel for it. It yeah. was kind of like I want to do because I also um I have a uh, like nutritional like supplement um business. Awesome. So, and I wanted to keep. So we power. need to talk in private about getting me beat buff, dude. Hey, man. But like uh. Like, I was training people. I was doing that. I had Strong Tower Athletics. Like, this is Strong Tower Nutrition, Strong Tower Podcast. I kind of wanted to keep it under the same umbrella. I love that. Because Strong Tower, you know, I got it from that song by Cutlass, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It means a lot to me. Yeah. So, and that's what I wanted. I wanted a brand that, like, kind of meant something deeper than what it is, you know? Because I've had people ask me, and I'm like, I really, like, I have to go into it, you know? Because it's deeper than what just it the title is, you know, yeah. and the whole look of it, I wanted, uh, everything in the fitness industry and stuff like that looks basic. So yeah. I wanted like a band. So uh-huh. think of like a band tee, like a band t-shirt, uh-huh. you know, I wanted yeah, that dude, That's kinda... what I thought when I saw, it. I thought, yeah. Yeah, I was like, yo, is he starting a band right now, dude? That's what I wanted. That's sick. Yeah, man. That's what I wanted to look like. Which so. is weird that all the fitness stuff is like all clean and crisp. Cause like when yeah, it comes I didn't down want to that. it, bro. 
like what do you put on when you're freaking working out some days you just got to freaking mm-hmm. put on some metal and just go hard yeah, man. so that makes sense to me i think it fits bro it's really cool dude i i how long have you been doing it now what the podcast yeah the podcast uh, a little over a year wow so this is episode 65 whoa yeah wow that's awesome dude hey i'm trying it all started as like a just like a nutrition like thing right and i was like i get tired of talking about it yeah you know i like i like so many other things and i like talking about so many other things yeah and i was just like i want to do that you know kind of like a um like joe rogan vibe where he can have he just has whoever you never know who it's gonna be and i was like that's what i want yeah because he kind of so if you have the freedom to bring on whoever the heck you want, it doesn't yeah. have to be specific to a subject. That's going to give you no limits. And then you have me come on and talk about random crap that has nothing to do with nutrition because I'm a skinny little twig right now. <laughs> yeah, man, but you could play anything with strings or any kind of instrument. Yes, I <laughs> I have a bugle at my house. I can. The bugle only has three notes, but that's the only wind instrument I can do, bro. I tried to, I tried to tackle the trumpet. Screw that, dude. No. That is, <laughs> uh, that is a whole nother thing, dude. I can't even. And some people like they're only like the wind instruments. That's like their thing. Oh, really, dude? I can't. Yeah, they're like I play saxophone and clarinet. I also mastered the flute and the French horn last year. I'm on a trumpet next year. I'm like, dude, can you not write, bro? I'm just trying to play a C chord on my acoustic guitar. Like, it's so funny, dude. dude. Like I had, like I had a friend growing up, and um, dude just played anything. Like he he learned bass first, but then he started yeah. playing like guitar, and he plays like ridiculous, mm-hmm. like ukulele. So one time at camp when we were younger. Yeah. He brought he brought his ukulele, right? Uh-huh. So our camp was like at a college, and uh, it was like getting to close to like nighttime, and we were sitting at the bottom of the uh, stairs outside, and yeah. there's like this big like hill, right? And the sun mm-hmm. is sun is setting. He's playing his ukulele, and I'm kind of like singing. I could sing a little bit before my voice deepened, yeah. but yeah. um, and all of a sudden, like these girls just come walking over the hill. It was like a movie. <laughs> Yeah, you know? dude. I'm just thinking. I was waiting for you to say something about girls, bro. Yes. <laughs> so, so they come up and they're like, they're like, "Oh my gosh, is that Jordan?" So they're yeah. come walking up and they're like, "Hey, Jordan!" And then they look at me. They're like, "Oh, hi, Ben." Oh like, no! <laughs> I was like, "Dag, on. Yeah, know? but if you were just holding a ukulele, you don't even have to play it well. You're just holding it. They're like, "Oh, he's a musician." But the thing is, then, then. Later that year, I started working out, and I came back the next summer, and they saw me, and they couldn't let go uh-huh. of my arms. So yeah, 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 yeah. So you got to have one or the other, dude. Both yeah. strategies are effective. They are, man. <laughs> they really are. Oh my god, dude! I I dated a girl, and whenever she would try and break up with me, I would just write a song to win her back. There you go. It worked. It worked every time. But how toxic is that? I was such a horrible guy, dude. I'd be like, no, but I love you. Listen, right? <laughs> Listen. <And> <laughs> Uh, I would I would record it and I would send it to her. So toxic, bro. So toxic. I'm oh, not that man. dumb anymore. I'm not that dumb. No, nah, we all I'm were like that up. when we were younger, man. We knew we knew what what worked. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, dude. Now it's funny, bro, because now I'm married and I'm like, I I don't do anything romantic for my wife, which is horrible. <laughs> it's it's horrible. I'm like, ah, you're stuck with me now, and it's like that's 
<laughs> worst way to be, dude. That's yeah. the worst way to be. We got we got to still treat our our wives like we're dating them. That's what I've heard. Date your wives. So that's oh, what yeah, we got. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, no, I, I mean, haven't. I it's haven't hard to nail, but yeah, yeah, and we got two kids too. So it's like all the more important yeah. to like be intentional about it. So we're actually going away this week. We're going up to Pigeon Forge, uh, which is like up in the mountains in Tennessee. And oh, wow. uh, okay. we're going up to meet my grandparents there. And uh, they have a motor home and they stay out for like a month. And then we're just going to drive up and stay with them for a week. So that, that should be good. It's relaxing, dude. There you go, man. That's what I would say to anybody in ministry. Go take a vacation. Yeah. Actually, anybody. Right. You need to have a oh, vacation. Oh, I tell people that too. I'm like, don't let your work, what do they say? Don't live to work, work to live. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so I I have a lot of people uh, in my sphere of influence who are like highly successful business people, lawyers, doctors. A lot of them are wealthy. They've done well in life, right? And all of them always have trips planned. Like they know when the next one is and like small talk with them. Isn't like, Hey, how you doing? That's not what they say. They'd be like, so you got any trips planned coming out? Like they want, like they always have something that they're looking forward to because I think, I think that either comes with a type of person who thinks that way Mm -hmm. ends up making them successful or their success is dependent on pacing yourself and having those things to look forward to. Either way, it's a good move to start like doing that, saying, okay, well, I'm going to set some time aside every year. These are the weeks where I'm going to request off. I'm going to make sure I'm free. I'm not going to work. I'm going to allow myself to be fully accessible to my family because uh, that's, dude, that's key. And all those people who work super hard, they also have times where they turn off and they don't work at all. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm done. It's funny, dude, because sometimes we'll have them serving in the church and they're like switching slides on a computer. And you're like, you are literally a rocket scientist because we have because <laughs> we have that here in this area. This is where they launch the rockets yeah, at the yeah. Space Coast. It's like right, right. A uh, couple like 40 minutes north. So we have rocket scientists in our area. And yeah, we have so they're like switching slides in a computer and they love it because they don't have to make any decisions. They don't have to stress about it. They just know they hit next when the next line comes up and like they love that. And they're the most faithful volunteers and they always come in to serve. Uh, so it's just funny. It's just fun. It's cool, dude. It's, it's cool how, how God allows people to be used in all these different ways. But, but yeah, no, the main point was to go have a vacation. Oh yeah, definitely. So, dude. Anyway, how long have we been going, dude? Uh, what are we at? We're at one forty-one, man. Oh my gosh! How long do you normally go for? Well, like, usually I, I can go like forever, like how long I like we can, you know. But usually yeah. people only go like an hour. Well, I you talk I mean? a lot, so that's nah, man, that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Because sometimes, sometimes I'll get people that don't talk as much and I have to like try and force things out of them, you know, mm. and it, it's kind of tough for me. So I've, got, I can, I, I've gotten I better can at it. But with you, man, I just lay back and just, you know, <laughs> sit back and relax. Bro, one of the things uh, somebody gave me advice and I still haven't put it in my heart and, and used it in every area. But I say you need to hand out your opinions and your thoughts. Like they're hundred dollar bills, not one dollar bills, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just like, hey, hey my opinion. You're it rain, this man. is everything I think. This is all my thoughts. So yeah, I just yeah. put them out there. 
And like the smartest person in the room is the dude who, sh- who at, in a meeting, he doesn't say anything. And then at the end, after everybody has said their piece, then you say, hey, uh, what do you think? You, ha- you haven't said anything. And then they're probably going to drop some bomb because they've been listening, understanding, come up with a, a response. And here it is. And then it's like, oh. Well, well yeah, you, know that was, you know, what's funny yeah. about that is like uh, I had someone say that about me because in high school, I can't remember why we were doing this, but we had this guy come in and we were all in the gym and we all like he put us in separate groups with like people we never like talked to. Yeah. You know, and yeah. um, so I remember That's I was a good in this, exercise. Yeah. And he was like, I want. I want each one of you to say something about another person like yeah. a positive like a positive thing or something yeah. like that someone and so this girl was like ben you're really quiet i was like well everyone knows that you know what i mean <laughs> she was like but yeah. when you have something to say people listen yeah I was like whoa i was like i had no idea someone thought that about me that's you what, what happens mean? when you shut up <laughs> I was like, yeah, when you sit back and listen, like, and that's, that's the thing about the the podcast is like, I get to listen to people and what they have to say, you know, because yeah, me, I, I tell, I tell the same stories all the time. So I get sick of it, you know what yeah. I mean? So listen to other people and hear about their experiences and their perspective on things. It's just more fun for me. Dude, is that not the problem with our society that people don't listen to each other? Exactly. That's exactly the problem. They're trying to get you to hear them. Mm-hmm. They're trying to have, they're trying to be understood yeah. instead of understand. It's whoever and talks I, the loudest. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the biggest problem. That's the biggest problem with everything. Cause nobody's listening, dude. We need to shut up and listen more. Proverbs says that, uh, even a fool may seem wise if he shuts his mouth. Ooh, so that's man. like, dude, you could be really stupid, but if you just be quiet, people are like, oh, he is so wise. <laughs> he must know something. <laughs> but like, seriously, yeah. that's the key. That's the key, bro. Because if you don't talk a lot, then when you do talk, it has a lot more value. You're handing out hundred dollar bills instead of one dollar bills. Yeah, I, I don't do that. I don't do. That's how you get a minute and forty uh, or an hour and forty <laughs> minute podcast. Because I'm sitting here just telling you everything I think right off the bat, which gets me into trouble too, dude. Because I don't. Sometimes you got to pause and like, well, hold on, should I say this? And then, uh, you know, I I don't feel like we had a moment that here, but I've had meetings where I should have just shut my mouth, mm-hmm. and instead I'm dealing with somebody and I say what I immediately think, and then I I wait like five minutes later, and I'm like, I don't actually think that. Why did I say that? Like right, that's right. not actually my opinion. And I think that's the other thing about being quiet is you allow yourself to grow. You allow yourself more room for growth because nowadays if you say something, that becomes like a part of who you are as people are going to perceive you that way. Mm-hmm. So so if I say like in politics, if I say I'm voting for this person, well, now you have been you automatically just put on your character like a specific set of things that are associated with that person. Now that becomes who you are. Exactly. Now tomorrow you may hear something and you're like, Oh, I'm not. Oh my God. They did what? I am not voting for that candidate mm-hmm. and too late, too late. Cause you, you already, you already you said put a label. And, yeah, and, you put a mark on your back. You put a label on your back. So ex- exactly. Yeah. If it's a small group of people, then that's how they perceive you. But if it's something like this, now you, 
you've publicly put it out and people can go back and refer to it. And so you have to be careful. You got to listen more and you got to, and I, sometimes I say, I've heard pastor Ken say this and a lot of other smart people in my life. So I like to say it sometimes like I reserve, this is what I think, but I reserve my right to change my mind in the next five minutes. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what I think, but I reserve the right to change my mind. And I think if we approach things more with that, it's an open mind, dude. Like, so I'm, I'm going to be willing to grow and willing to change. And the only way that we can do that is by listening. Oh, dude. I think that that would change. That would change our world, dude. Oh, definitely would. Sides aren't listening to each other. They just want to be heard. Yeah, They want to be heard by their constituents or by their friends or uh, by the person that they're arguing with on Facebook. Dude, Facebook's yep. so gross right now, dude. Man, it's. And and Twitter yeah. too. I just I don't follow Twitter as much. <clears throat> I spend a lot of time on Facebook because that's where the majority of our <clears throat> church congregation is. So and dude, it's just like we have people in our church. Dude, would you believe there are Democrats and Republicans that are Christians? Yeah. Would you believe that? Oh my gosh, who would have thought? <laughs> Can you believe? Like like and the Republicans right now are like no, not them. And Democrats are thinking no, not Republicans. Like no, yeah, yeah. There, there are there are Christians or Democrats and Republicans, and some churches are heavily Republican or Democrat. Here, we're we're pretty even split because we have so many different kinds of people. Yeah. So, you you have people on Facebook, and and this is the thing as as Christians, not just as Christians, as nice people, everybody listening right now, think about this: when you post something, say you say you you post something in support of one candidate. Mm-hmm. Like within our church, we have people who are like, I just haven't been coming to church. I've been so discouraged by all the posts that I've seen all the church people make. And these are people that they're friends with people, people that they're friends with. And I know if so, if we have Jim and Sally and Jim posts something that's offensive to Sally and Sally's hurt by it. And she's saying, well, he supports this candidate. And I just can't do that because for whatever, and maybe a personal story, somehow she's been personally impacted by it. For a lot of people in minorities, mm-hmm. they take Donald Trump as racist. And mm-hmm. so if you are pro-Trump, you are anti-black. Mm-hmm. And whether that's true or not, that is often how they perceive it. Of course, and yeah. so by by Jim posting uh, hashtag all lives matter, BLM is a bunch of bullcrap, then Sally, who maybe is a black woman, she's like, this dude doesn't love me. And now I'm hurt and I'm Mm -hmm. broken because he posted this blanket statement. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be more careful about what we're saying, because if we want to love people, your Facebook post is not going to change anybody's mind. You freaking idiot. Like, dude, there's no point in trying to, there's no point in trying to argue and trying to, you know, it's funny. It's more entertaining to me than anything. I don't even get mad at it. It's just, it is entertaining, but it can be toxic. It's very toxic. If you if you're able to look at it from a healthy place and stand back and be like, this is freaking hilarious because none of it matters. Right. Look at look at how worked up Jim is getting and Sally. But then when you hear behind it, well, Sally's not entertained by it. She's hurt by it. And then we have to then we have to bridge that gap and create healing. Whereas if Jim had just kept his mouth shut Mm -hmm. and listened, see, this is what we're talking about and listened and said, Instead of saying he could have posted, he could have posted a post and and said, uh, you know, uh, 
I I don't understand the the idea behind this. Can someone please help me understand and yeah. legit approach it with a humble a humble heart? Mm-hmm. Because he can't he can't tell Sally his perspective if he doesn't understand hers first. Exactly, because that's the reason we all have opinions on different things. That's the reason we support different people. It's because we experience different things. You know yeah. what I mean? So what are you going to say? So you don't like that person because they support a different candidate. Yeah. That means you're saying um, you don't you don't support their experience that they've been through, which is why, because that's exactly why they're supporting that can- candidate, you know? So it becomes a part of who they are. So when you attack right. that candidate, you attack them. And so now that's they why get people on the feel defensive. attacked. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. I sit back and uh, just listen to it. Dude, I've never watched the debate in my life. But yeah. this year, I was so into it. I was looking forward to it because I was laughing. Wow. It was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was what? just entertaining. What a – it was a joke, dude. I mean, like, it was that, really <laughs> – Here, the, the aspect for me is I have lots of family and friends in Australia and all over the world. Yeah. And I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, oh, great. They're going to freaking see this. Yep. And this is – this is America – Hey, well, this every, is what they're gonna. Every they're gonna country, see. every country has their issues. I think ours yeah. are just more pu- publicized. Everybody watches it. Everybody. Bro, when I w- when I was in Australia, there was so much news about America all the time, all the time. Yeah. I've never, I've never watched American news and heard. I mean, dude, they the UK had this huge thing with Brexit where the Britain left the European union mm-hmm. and there was this big debacle in France. You had these protests of the workers that I think they were called the yellow vests and they were protesting again. Like, dude, this is like countries turned upside down, bro. America was like, didn't even blink, dude. Like I didn't see any of that stuff in the news. You had to like go to these, like you had to go to the news outlets of the other countries to find out. Right. And so now that, that, in one way, it's like, wow, everybody likes to, you know, dog up on America mm-hmm. and be like, ah, because, you know, we're we're the the big the big dog in the fight. Right. Mm-hmm. So everybody wants to gang up on us. Oh, but man. in another way, it's damaging to Americans because we tend to live in a bubble and we're not paying attention to the rest of the world. Right. And if you don't leave if you don't leave America, you have this messed up worldview because you think everything happens here and everything's based on here and you don't realize that no there's like all these other cultures all these other experiences and all these other things and and i think if people realize that they wouldn't be so caught up in a lot of the american politics and stuff because you'd realize like it doesn't actually it's not as important as you think it is like right. it is important it's surely it certainly is important because there's an old saying that when america when america sneezes the world catches a cold yeah like, so that, that's the concept of like, whatever we do, the rest of the world fall. If our economy crashes, everybody's economy crashes. Mm-hmm. If we go into a recession, we're bringing the whole world with us. And that's the if thing we, when, with like, like even with COVID, like everyone here is like, well, look at the, how these countries did it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, we're not the same. We're no, not no. the same. They have one set of people pretty much. We have a variety of different America people that we, we're so trying to unique, control. Dude. It's so different. Yeah. So you know? different. Our the way that our economy is set up is unlike any other any other country. Yeah. A lot of other countries have a version of it, you know, a version of capitalism, mm-hmm. but there's often a, a lot of regulations that 
put limits on it. And so, uh, and we probably need some more regulations in some areas and less regulations in other areas, but, Mm -hmm. but we were, we were the first ones to do that and everybody followed suit. And then same thing with our politics, you know, we enacted this democracy Mm -hmm. or a democratic Republic, which is different from anything at the time. And now a lot of other countries have incorporated some level of democracy into their politics, but like a, a lot of issues where it works in Australia and it works in the UK and it works in Europe and it does not work here because to implement it would require an entire upheaval of our entire like system, which some people want and someday we may need. But right now it would, it would be, I think it's like all, all is the juice worth the squeeze because right. you're going to undo all of this other stuff to enact this, which is, you know, yeah, it could, it could help or not. Whereas like a lot of those other countries, they, they like, here's a perfect example, bro, with, with gun control, which is something the first thing that people asked when I went to Australia, Yeah, that would be the number one thing. I was, oh, you're American. They would say, Oh, what do you, do you, do you have any guns? What do you think about guns? And I would, and I would say, well, you know, uh, I, I believe people should have a right to protect themselves. I personally don't own any guns, but mm-hmm. I have family members who, who own guns. You know, I, I don't think you you should take everybody's guns away. Right. And, and they, they're like, they're like, Oh, nah, it, you, you, you guys have mass murders all the time because in, in Australia, uh, I believe it was in 1993, they had a mass shooting. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is immediately they enacted gun control and dude, it wasn't like it is here where you have the Democrats and the Republicans right. opposing one another on this. Uh, in Australia, both parties agreed to it. Yeah. Now, it's not in their constitution. They don't have the whole Second Amendment thing. Mm-hmm. So they had a clean slate. It was bipartisan. Mm-hmm. And probably the biggest factor is that when they turned in all their firearms, the total amount for the entire country was like less than 200,000 firearms. It's like 175,000 firearms were turned oh, in geez, and everyone nothing. turned them in willingly. Yeah, Bro, that's, that's like dude, my zip code. That's, that's like my, That's what I'm saying. My, that's less than what's in Texas, you know what I'm saying? Like Dude, the the state of Florida has like I think a million regi- over a million registered firearms. Oh, so yeah. it, and that's registered cuz you also have unregistered that oh, aren't yeah. on the system. We don't know where they are. So when people say, "Well, you should just do what we did." And it's like, "Bro, not the logistics same. behind that mm-hmm. is not even feasible. Right. Like, w- how would you create a program to allow people to turn in that many firearms? And what would you do with and them? Also, and also, our black market and stuff like that is ridiculous. People are going to get yeah. them anyway when they when it exactly. is illegal, and they're going to kill. They're going to kill the people that handed them willingly. Exactly. So well, we have a culture that's built around firearms and celebrating the the design of them mm-hmm. and and how they work and how they function and there's hunting and all that dude that doesn't that also doesn't exist in australia yeah like so so if you think only 175 farms were turned in most of them rifles mm-hmm. uh, so this was probably a lot of landowners who had them and you could still own, i think if you have a certain amount of property then you can own like a certain caliber of firearm uh but like no nobody's there's no concealed carry. Um, and then you have like in the UK where they they have armed police officers and unarmed police officers. And to be an armed police officer is like a higher higher level. But a, I don't know if most, but a lot of police officers, they don't even have a gun. 
And that's like one of the changes that they've done more recently. And it's like, dude, you could not do that here. You could not do that here. Um, But there needs to be some changes. Like America is certainly one of the reasons that I think we've been so successful over the years is because we have changed and we have grown probably not fast enough, but you know, we, we had, we had 13 States. Now we have 50, we had slavery. Now we don't have slavery. Mm -hmm. Uh, Women couldn't vote, but now they can vote. And like a lot of those changes happen in other countries too, but some countries didn't make the change. There was a huge uprising and a revolution undid their entire government and had to build from the ground up. America has flexed on each of these changes. I think it's why we have the, the, oldest still active constitution of any other country which is crazy to think about because the constitution is only 1776 it's not we're still babies like this country's still uh, baby yeah but think there's no acting constitution that's been in place longer than ours which means all those other countries had revolutions after us Mm -hmm. so the fact that they are where they are and we are where we are i think is a testimony it's a testament to americans like ability to flex and grow and change and right now we need to listen so that we can continue doing that. Cause I think it is, I think it is a fork right now. It's a fork in the road. Dude. Oh yeah. Every, every empire falls. Eventually the Romans aren't mm. ruling the world anymore. Yeah. The great Alexander, the great, his, his, uh, the lands he conquered, they got divided up when he died. Like he wasn't there's There's no longer, uh, until the Hun, he conquered huge swaths of land and the Huns don't run everything ever uh, anymore. Like, yeah. so, uh, all, all of, all of those empires eventually fell. And so to think and be naive that America's going to be around forever. Uh, yeah. It might be around forever, but probably won't always have the influence that we have. Mm-hmm. And so if we, if we want to continue to live in prosperity and uh, give people opportunities that America allows here, we have to acknowledge that some people don't have those opportunities, even within our borders. And we've mm-hmm. got to do everything we can to give people those opportunities so that we can, keep being the greatest country in the world my australian friends are gonna freaking kill me dude <laughs> they say that they they hate that, that. Is, yeah yeah well it, but yeah, they say australia is the greatest country in the world it's good to be it's good to be patriotic we're a little over the top americans yeah, yeah, like yeah. when you go through a, a neighborhood in australia there's not australian flags flying everywhere that's that is mm. that is a solely american thing dude like when you when you drive down my parents' neighborhood, every single mailbox has an American flag off of it. Well, you know, so, um, you know Mason Cox. He plays for Collingwood Magpies. Okay, he's I, American. No, I, I I don't. What? He's American. He's American. He's only American in the AFL. He's like six uh, ten or something like that. What? The... And they they'll bring American flags to the games That's and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Australians love Americans. They do. They love Americans, but. It, there's usually they oh they have a couple things that like they they don't get it like they don't get the gun control thing that would the yeah. second thing they would ask me is uh what did you what did you think of what do you think about Obama because at the time Obama was in right and they they loved Obama so they they would say uh oh much better than that Bush guy right that they, <laughs> that's what they would say to me and I'm like yeah you know at the time I wasn't really like into politics yeah, I'm like yeah, yeah. Yo, I'm pretty indifferent like my life hasn't changed significantly from either dude yeah, same so, way yeah I'm the same way now they have Trump and they're like what are you guys thinking but yeah. that's they're they're in another country they're outside they have the UK they elected in their own little knockoff Trump I don't know if you've seen him their prime minister right now he dude he looks like Trump he talks oh, really? like Trump <laughs> yeah bro he has a blonde he has like the bad blonde hair and everything dude so 
that's it's funny that you you uh, they are watching it. The rest of the world watches. But also, too. like Australians are more tough too. I think because they handle things yeah. like themselves, like conflicts themselves, which is why the AFL is the way they they are. You know what I mean? Like guys I played with, like they yeah. were just tough dudes. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Bro, one, they, du- one dude peed see- in his shorts. He didn't even leave the field. He peed on the field. Bro, you see guys like uh, kick the ball, and you're like, they they just like when they you you just you would kill every dude in the NFL right now, and you're you're not even because they all have to kick and they all have to all have to what is it bunt or punch Handball, right? Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. all and bro, you try and dribble a football. Oh, yeah, dude. freaking right, dude. They're yeah. just running it's with tough. it. Running with it. You're like, what are how's uh but yeah, they have a saying in Australia, cut down the tall poppy, which is okay. basically referring to the poppy plant. So if you if you walk into a room and you think you're better than everybody else, Oof. they will all cut you <laughs> down, bro. And if you're an American, you don't even have to act tough. They just know you already think that. So they're gonna bring you down to their level. Mm. And then and then so dude, that was humbling too, yeah. living in Australia and realizing that. But they'll cut you down. You know, you have like a lawyers and doctors are best friends with like electricians and plumbers. Mm-hmm. And there's no like there is no caste system in Australia when it comes to like social groups because they have that that culture. Like, well, if you think you're better, we're gonna cut you down because we're all equal here. And I think that's a, yeah, they, and so it makes you tougher and their, their comedy and is a bit harsh. They're very sarcastic. And that got Bethany into trouble at first when she moved here. Cause people were like, Beth, oh, yeah, Bethany's, yeah, yeah. Bethany's very mean. I'm like, nah, she likes you. Yeah. She just, uh, she's just sarcastic. Dude. That's great. That's, that's just how they are. But I love that. I love that about Australians. Cause oh, they, dude, I love it too, man. Nobody takes themselves too seriously, and uh, it really allows for like people to have conversations. They have their own conflict, dude. I, I see them posting political stuff too on Facebook. Oh, yeah. So they have their own set of issues. I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll ever completely go away. Yeah, uh, but I think we can all be responsible and say, "I'm going to commit to not contribute to the bullcrap." Oh, I'm going to. Man. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try to be loving and listen. Yeah. That seems to be the theme for this. We need to listen. Yeah. And I'm not doing a lot of that right now, but <laughs> No, I mean, no, yeah, you're listen. completely you're completely right. I mean, and I think that's why I find it entertaining because that's what I've chose to do is just sit back and listen. Like, of course I have my opinions. Of course I have, you know, the way I'm going to vote. But yeah. I like to sit back and I like to watch, you know, people like try and convince other people. Yeah. And all you're doing is yelling. And you're just it's trying not, to make this person yeah. seem like they're awful person for believing one thing. Yeah. You know, which is horrible. And I hate which that. Is horrible. I was like, what makes you better? You know what I mean? No. Yeah. Because, because we, we all, and it's based on your experiences, you know? So of course. a lot of, a lot of that comes from an insecurity. Like that's, that's the whole white fragility that everybody talks about. You know, that's like, if you say, all white people are racist. And if you immediately get defensive and start, well, I'm not a racist. I got this and that. It's like, why are you getting so defensive? Like you get really, really defensive. And there's that white fragility thing. And it's like, there's that. But I think the idea of becoming defensive in areas that were insecure is true in every aspect outside of racism or white fragility or any of that. Like Mm -hmm. if you, if you are insecure 
about like say you, with your with your politics right if you believe what you believe but you don't know it that well yeah, like yeah. You, you don't really you pick that you know it aligns with most of your beliefs mm-hmm. but you're not a well-read scholar in the area of politics right, like you're yeah. not a political pundit mm-hmm. but we all act like we are because when we get when 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 we get attacked or somebody starts poking holes in our opinions and our theories mm-hmm. we immediately just start filling that holes with, with our fingers and just start yelling yeah and, and and saying well no oh that's not tra- well that's not, how racist of you to say that and we're and we're now we got our fingers in all the holes yeah 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 and we look like idiots bro yeah. because reality mm-hmm. is it all comes from a place of insecure because here when you talk to when you talk about political pundits and scholars mm-hmm. a lot of them they don't yell yeah. and they're not they're not yeah, some of them have gotten very emotional but mm-hmm. oftentimes it's not based out of emotion it's just like level-headed cool they're giving facts because they know that what they believe is based on facts and by the way if you poke a hole in one of mine i'm cool with that because i want to be able to believe what i believe because it's the best option not because i just picked it like it's my favorite color and also i think that's the other thing that you said like uh i think it's a lot of motion we can't think with our emotions that's why i work out dude that's the number one reason why i started working out because i was trying to i'm looking up how do I take control of my emotions? How do I deal with stress better? And every article that you read, number one, two, or three is going to be exercise. Mm-hmm. So that's where I was like, I got to do that. And yeah, I mean, I, I find that helps. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I deal with, uh, like, I mean, like everyone, you know, I have a little bit like an anxiety, depression. I probably have like a day, a month where I get yeah. bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. But dude, work, working out and exercising, no matter what way you're doing it, has helped mm. me so much. You yeah. know, I had people, uh, doctors tell me I need to go on pills. You know, uh, people yeah. beg me to take medication. I'm just like, no, I want to do it myself. Right. I don't want that. I want to be able to get through it myself and understand it more. You know, yeah. I don't want to, uh, I don't, I don't r- rag on people that go to therapy and stuff. Cause a lot of people need to talk to somebody. I understand. Yeah, that. that's healthy. That's yeah, good. Of course. Um, but I myself, I know myself well enough that I'm not gonna do well with that. Yeah. Because I I've done it before and I hated that person. Yeah. You know, because she was just tearing down everything around me. Yeah. And I was like, I don't like that. Yeah. You know, so I was just like, um, uh, let me figure it out myself and really learn mm-hmm. more. And that's really how I've grown mentally. I've really been able to focus on that, you know, and physically, you know, I just been, I've been working out for a long time, you know, I competed in bodybuilding. I did all that, you know, and I'm just trying to stay healthy right now. I don't care about what my body looks like right now. I'm just focusing on staying healthy, you know, staying strong. Yeah. And, um, just trying to move forward with my life. And that's, I I think that's really like just how I'm living right now. That's just where I'm at. Hmm. You know, yeah. but it does that working out helps with so many things that people don't even know, not just your weight. It's Bro, that's why I, I actually don't I actually don't care about like getting buff. The oh, number yeah, one course, reason yeah. why I worked out was for the mental benefits that I was reading about that I knew I needed. So and I have if nothing else, bro, it's made me feel like I accomplished something like dude. when I when I work out, I'm like, I I. I did something. It's yeah. so tangible. To, and I am motivated by like checklists. So like when I see 
things being checked off, that gets me going. I feel motivated to keep going, to keep doing stuff. Like some people aren't motivated by that, uh, but I'm motivated by like, here's a task. It was completed. I achieved my goal. Good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like with working out, it's like, I'm going in, I'm going to work out. And I did this machine and I did that machine. And then I did this and I did that. And then, I, and then I leave and I'm like, I completed it all. Like I just feel accomplished, which motivates me to do more. And my mind is in a place of like, get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, that's the place that it helps me be. And, uh, and do sometimes I don't work out in the mornings. Cause I know I'm going to have a meeting. And I'm like, that meeting's probably going to be stressful. So I'm going to work. I'm going to leave my lunch open. (laughs) So after I'm done, and it helps also because in the moment, I'm like, I don't need to arc up right now because I'm going to have an outlet. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to yell and get all mad and upset because I know after this is done, I can go and like work out and it's going to be fine. Exactly. So it's also give me like something to, to look forward to and be, but so yeah, it has helped a lot. And because people always if you do it based on like weight loss, it's way, I think it's way harder. Because, it is a lot harder. I mean, you're the, you're the expert, but cause you're not going to see 10 pounds shed the first time you work out. Of course you're right. So like, but you probably will feel like some mental like r- rise and, and you're going to, there's going to be some positive aspects happen up here of course. before it happens in your body. So the fact that that was my motivation to begin with, I think has helped me to do it. I'm only, dude, I'm only like, three months in but i hey, it's I longer it. than a lot of people though <laughs> i never i never get well, I, at the beginning like when i heard people be like i'm addicted to working out i just love it when my arms are sore it feels so great and i'm like you're weird dude. like you are a freak bro i don't know why you would want to be in pain and how that is like good for you well for me i'm one of those That's weird i'm one of those yeah so but for, now i understand it yeah so i'm gonna so for me I like to be sore because it feels, it's like validation. It's just like, yeah. you did something. Exactly. You know I mean? A lot of times, like, I know you don't have to be sore uh, to know you had a good workout. But for me, yeah. that's just how I feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's hard. It's it, it started off pretty hard for me because I used to train like an animal. Yeah. You know? And now I don't. So uh-huh. So it was hard to get that mentality like, I don't have to train like I used to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh it just really uh like now I it's probably like a half hour. Like, you know what I mean? And I have a I have a gym in my basement. Yeah, but you're at the level where you're probably more sustaining than gaining, right? Oh yeah. I mean I'm not trying to lose, I'm not trying to gain, you know, I still eat relatively uh healthy. Um yeah. you know, I work out, I focus on uh doing things for my brain. You know, Mm -hmm. I try and think about things again, like I write stuff down and all these kind of things. And I don't know, just trying to, you know, focus on longevity more than anything. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, man, let's wrap it up. And this has been over two hours. Oh, my God, bro. This is the first podcast I've ever done. Can you tell? You could tell. I don't know, man, because you know, you did good. I do talk a lot, so I don't have a problem doing that. But it works. It's perfect. Man, I thank you so much for having me come on, dude. Hey, dude, thanks for agreeing to it and coming on and just, you know, I'm glad we got to talk as long as we did. Yeah, let's not let this be the only time we ever chat, bro. Oh, yeah, man. Definitely. Or you, you, Yeah, when you come down to Florida, if you move down here or if you come visit, bro, 
I if you're in Orlando, just come freaking meet me, bro. Just yeah, man. Up. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's something that we're definitely like. I constantly just look at places to see what it's going for and stuff like that. You know, I don't so know. So looking, looking Melbourne, Palm Bay, uh, Brevard County. That's like the. This is where it's at. You're on the beach. It's Space Coast. It's very fast-growing community, so it's a good time to get in now. The housing market is crazy I'm because sure, everybody's sure. moving, but uh, but dude, it's a great area to raise kids. You're by the beach. You got Disney yeah. an hour away. Definitely take a date night in Orlando. Sounds good. Uh, and I'm here, so there you go. <laughs> hey, no, I'm just kidding. All right, man. All right bro. Thanks well, again, thanks, man. man.